In episode 3.5 of Unshuffled, we take an in-depth look at the fifth full-length album from modern metal legends Gojira, L'Enfant Sauvage. But first, as always, here's our awesome intro music from Seven Planets. Scotty D. Hello, Matt. How are you? We got a ballad on this album. Ah! A ballad a la typo negative. Ah, ballad. <laughs> Sellouts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they've got commercial. They've put a ballad on. Remember when Metallica did their first ballad? The backlash that band got. My God. Oh. There was, uh, yeah, no, it's been, it, it, so for us, it's been a couple weeks, right? Mm, but yeah. if we were, if we were doing this in real time, it would have been four years since we had our last, <laughs> our last Gojira fix. Mm, it would have been tough on the fans. It would have been, would have been. Mm. So how are things? Yeah, good. Uh, just gearing up for Christmas. So happy Christmas to our, our listeners or whatever. If you're listening to it at some point in the future, just think of the next holiday that's coming up and happy, happy that one. Speaking of Metallica, we spoke briefly about them and the role of Jason Newstead on our last podcast. And I have recently discovered a new version. Now, there's been a few of these over the years. And Justice for All is widely recognized as a great album, but where's the bass? And there's been a few attempts to sort of reconstruct the bass and remaster it. But uh, I saw one version put out by the Bass Channel, which is a YouTube channel for bass players. And there's a guy just playing the bass that should be audible on the album. And it's fantastic. It's, it, it's a whole, it gives a whole new lease of life to the album. So I'll link to it in the show notes, listener. This is my now my preferred way my preferred version of and justice for all have taken it and they've improved it and it's brilliant so check that out please so but it's it's newstead right well newstead is his name is on the is on the credits and he did get, he was right. in the studio playing bass but he was just squeezed out in the mix right 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 so the so basically it's just it, they just brought his the volume up on his playing it's not no, something no, this is, no, this is just some dude, but he's playing what Newstead played. So um, it's not Newstead, and it's different because Newstead used a, uh, a pick, and this guy's um, uh, picking the strings with his fingers. So it's a slightly different style, but it's he's a very good bass player, whoever it is. And just a, I, I think I prefer this to the to the ones that have tried to sort of isolate Newstead's bass and remix it. This one actually, I think, takes it. Uh, is a bit better. Huh, I think yeah. that bass needed to be re-recorded rather than, you know, huh. drawn out of the mix somehow. It's really good. All right. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I look forward to checking it out in the show notes. Yeah. Mm. Um, but otherwise, things are good here, and uh, I hope things are with you too. You've got a little holiday coming up, so that should be a nice chance to relax and listen to our next album. 
with and it will we're gonna do a little do a little beach holiday not mm. nobody's leaving the country so we're all we'll be doing an indonesian christmas have you ever had a hot christmas before no it's funny because we were just talking we were i was swimming today yeah. i was i was swimming in the pool with the the, the wife the kids yeah we're all swimming in the pool and we're just reflecting on the fact that we've never had a hot christmas yeah so this will well, be it won't uh, feel it won't feel like christmas to you but i'm in the depths of a european winter here and it doesn't feel like christmas to me either so uh, right. christmas to me is barbecues and sunshine and cold beverages we've we've re we've roll reversed yeah <laughs> Well, let me know how you go with it. <laughs> well, yeah, enjoy that. Thank you. You as well. Mm. I see you're mm. wearing a, nobody can see you, but you're wearing a, you're wearing a toque and a flannel and a scarf right now. Yeah, well, the heater makes too much noise here, so I've turned it off. Yeah. So, all right, well, should we get into this? Before we get into the, the album du jour, let me just remind our listeners who we are. We are Unshuffled, that you are listening to. We are bringing back the album. This, you know, we recognize that the album, an album is the best way to listen to music. Modern technology has changed the way we listen to music for the worse, I believe. You know, we're trying to take things back to, to the good old days when you buy an album and you'd listen to it and you'd listen to it and you'd listen to it again. We are working through band by band, album by album, track by track. Bands that we know we should have listened to, but we have never got around to it. We're two heavy music fans, but there's always a band that you've missed that's in the back of your mind. I should check them out someday. So we're doing that. Our current band is Gojira. We are now on their, what, fifth album are we up to? Yes. I've yes. lost count. It's Something like that. <laughs> it is fifth. It is fifth. Okay. It's called L'Enfant Sauvage, which is a lovely French phrase from a French band. Uh, they sing in English, and I don't think there's any... They have uh, sort of scattered some French lyrics throughout in the past. I don't think there's any French on this album, though. Uh, but the title is French, L'Enfant Sauvage. So we're going to uh, dive into it. We're going to break it down track by track after we discuss you know, the production and the cover and a few other things. Just to remind a listener, if you haven't listened or heard this album yourself, you should stop the podcast now. You should go and track it down, preferably a physical copy, but otherwise it's uh, it's downloadable. Uh, this is this is their first one on Roadrunner, so I think you have to go. If you go to Gojira Music or just Google it, you'll find it. You should listen to this album in full at least once, but preferably a few more times. Make your own opinion and consider what we're saying as a sort of companion piece to the listening that you've already done. That being said, let's get into it. Scott's going to fill us in on the the credits and the other sort of technical details around the album. So let's hear it, Scott. So as I mentioned at the top, this is released in June, June 25th in 2012, and it's almost close to four years between this one and The Way of All Flesh. Now, I would assume that it's just massive touring and i mean the band right it's 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 just been a slow i mean since uh since from mars to sirius i guess just that steady incline in popularity which i'm assuming would explain a gap of four years but up until this point there had been about two years between album 
yeah. between albums I mean, number four. Yeah, there was that heavy touring, heavy touring schedule. Uh, there was also a change of um, living arrangements for the band or, or the sort of driving force, Joe Duplantier, who moved to, to New York at some point between the previous album and this one, and a change of label as well. So they've moved now into the big time as far as labels are concerned, and this is their first release on the Roadrunner label. And it was produced by Joe Duplantier and then Josh Wilbur. Uh, it was recorded at Spin Studios in Long Island, New York. Um, so he's he's getting closer to Queens, where eventually their studio is going to be built and, and, and albums will be recorded. Uh, the lineup has not changed. I'm glad they didn't go with, like, the wild child. And they went ahead and went with the French because it <laughs> sort of sounded like a bad Molly Crew song. Yeah, well, as it is, I think it sounds like a new fragrance from uh, <laughs> you know, Jean-Paul Gaultier or something. I'm just looking at Josh Wilbur's CV. Oh, right. Uh, at the moment, he has he done a lot of metal, but also some things outside of metal. I, I can see LCD sound system, for example. Uh, but metal bands have included some new metal stuff, like Puddle of Mud and Limp Biscuit, as a sort of Mixer, digital editor. Uh, he has worked with Lamb of God. Yeah, did a lot of work with Lamb of God, who, and they also had Randy Bly. So there's a, obviously a big connection here with Lamb of God. Perhaps that's how they got in touch with him. Avenged Sevenfold, as well as Pink. Oh, right. So Avril Lavigne. So there's a, a real sort of range of, of artists that uh, Josh Wilbur works with. But there's plenty of metal bands on. He's just hate, hate breed, uh, trapped. Who are <laughs> they're having their they get having their critics at the moment trapped on uh, on Twitter that caused a bit of controversy lately. But yeah, I mean the big one from metal circles would be Lamb of God as well as yeah Avenged Sevenfold and Hate Breed. So there's some big names in the sort of newish kind of metal movement that uh, Josh Wilbur has worked with. So should we talk about the artwork right now? Before we go into the tracks. Yeah, well, I've, again, I've got the physical copy here because I can do that. I must say the CD cover is, I, I guess CDs went through a phase around 2000 to 2010 where they sort of said, if, we're gonna, if people are going to buy the CDs, we need to throw everything at the, at the packaging. We need to make these really amazing 50-page booklets and extra things in the pack. And, and then at some point they just gave up and, and said, you know what, let's just try and save money now because no one's buying CDs and no one ever will no matter what we do. And I think this is the first one in that phase. This is a much smaller booklet. We don't have the same degree of artistic photography that uh, Joe's sister Gabrielle Duplantier had put into the previous ones. There is a band photo by her but much less artistic thought into the booklet that goes with the CD. And i got to say, what do you think of the artwork? The album cover. This mm. one, I'm going to go ahead with it. We talked about this. I think this one's my, this is my favorite. Mm. I, I, like, I like the whole, um, you've got this whole idea of the shadow of the head with the, the tree, right? That is sort of representing the savage. And then behind mm. it, sort of that, that 
city that awaits, right? That journey from from the foreground to the background. It, mm. it, if if this album is what I guess the, that sort of that personal journey of, of, of Joe Duplantier is sort of reflected through the lyrics. I think the album cover captures that perfectly. Hmm. I, this is, I, I've got the opposite thought. I, this is my least favorite album cover of theirs. Um, I mean, it, it's got that, the flames and the tree that we've seen on previous, so that it's consistent. Um, I don't know. It's just a bit, to me, it's a bit of a Microsoft Paint job gone wrong. I don't know. I, I like the images, but I just, I, I don't know. I'm gone wrong. I, I'm not an art critic, but <laughs> this appealed to me least. And interestingly, Joe doesn't do the art on the next album, so maybe he sort of recognised that he'd come to the end of his um, visual artistry. Stop it. He recognised he couldn't do any better. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Well, we'll leave our listeners to decide, love or hate, but uh, we're, we have different opinions on that. Well, I'm curious to see where our opinions go with the album in general now. Yeah, well, we that. have not discussed this at all, yeah, listeners. At all. So, normally, um, normally there's a text at least. Normally at least there's a little bit of an inkling. The bow, but there's been nothing this time. Nothing at all. We are completely going in cold here. All right. Before we get to the thoughts overall on the album, let's go track by track and then we'll, we'll, soon yeah. see, we'll summarize right. at the end. So track one is Explosia. Um, mm. I think this is a great opening track. I think that Gojira, is, they typically have great opening tracks. I think this one's no different. Um, the the pick scratches, the emphasis in the beginning, I like that. It, uh, it sort of harkens back to a sound that, has been over the past couple albums. Uh, the BBC reviewed this album when it came out, right? So read this the review of this one not as a retrospective, but actually as it had been released. The BBC described it as iron ch- iron chewing thunder. That's <laughs> that's got to be like the highest praise you can get. Yeah, and from the BBC no less. Um, mm. I like the doomy breakdowns that come at like the third verse and just sort of intermittently come in and out. Uh, there's a, of I, I linked it in the show notes, but there's a recorded filming of a live performance at Webster Hall in New York, which is, which is just so good. Just, I, mm. just the, the intensity, the energy of, of, of what they capture in the song. Mm. Yeah. Great song. And, and as you said, we know straight away, yeah, this is Gojira. We've got that next quick, as you said, we also have a go to kick off the, the lyrics, which is they had another go, I think, in Backbone, was it? That had a go. Which, mm, that sounds right. I actually saw an article of the top ten songs that have a go in metal. <laughs> I'll link to that in the show notes. Too. <laughs> Did this this wasn't one of them. Uh, no, it wasn't one of them. But this is a, a really good go uh, to kick off. It's kind of like three songs. There's, there's three movements at least to this song. Three distinct. Mm-hmm. movements the energetic opening the sort of slower anthemic middle section and then a slow one note riff outro so and and the outros throughout this album and we'll you know I'll just foreshadow there are a lot of good outros on this album 
in the middle section, we get some sampling, which hasn't been used a lot before, and a little bit more layering and a little bit more texture than we've heard in the past on their album. So it gives it a bit of a symphonic feel. There seems to be a bit more texture. Maybe maybe there's a bit of, and, and it's hard to pick out all the time, but it sounds like there's a bit of synth or something in the background at, at times. And in the outro, we get that interplay between the guitars. Again, some more samples, some more layers, but we're starting to hear a the separation between the two guitarists a bit more on this song. And again, that, that recurs later in the album too. So, so it's a good callback to what they've done in the past, but they've all, they're also introducing some new elements that we haven't heard before, the layering, the sampling, and the, the interplay between the, the two guitarists. It's interesting that you say that because that was going to be one of my questions as we get later on, but I'll ask, I'll pose it now. I had two questions where I was just, asking myself, did I miss this before or is this new to the production value now? And the one of them is I feel like before we've had discussions we can go back and talk about where we couldn't we couldn't disaggregate what was Christian Andreu and what was Joe Duplantier. Here I feel mm. like I can hear it clearly. I can hear yep. it throughout this album entirely what Christian Andreu, Andreu is bringing sort of as he, he is adding this layer and this depth and, and these nuances to the song that yeah. I don't remember hearing before. So I don't know if yeah. that's just new to the production value, if that's new of what he's bringing to the band, or if that's just new to what I'm paying attention to. No, I agree. It is, it is different on this album to what we've heard in the past and an and and improvement, I, I must say. So, which brings me to the, I guess, to the question that comes up in the next track, and the next track is the the the, the title track, L'Enfant Sauvage. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the one thing that I'm noticing with this one is that, and I don't know why this is dawning on me here now on track two of album five, but mm. but but he can sing. He he sort mm. of doesn't do much by way of Cookie Monster vocals anymore, right? I mean, there there was a little bit of that kind of in the first couple albums, but even when he mm. kind of goes into that more of aggressive, uh, screamo style, it it isn't that anymore, right? I mean, there's mm. a there's that hint of melody to everything he everything he does now. And again, I don't know when this started. If this if I'm just noticing now, if this started before, um, but I noticed it here. I noticed it in this song for whatever reason. It jumps out at me. Yeah, I agree. His singing has improved. I also think the phrasing has improved. Mm -hmm. Often on previous albums, they seem to just try and jam words in where they could, whereas here I think they're, they're respecting the rhythm of the lyrics as much as the rhythm of the other instruments, and, and there's a lot more thought put into how these lyrics are going to be phrased around the riffs that we're playing them it's more predictable than it has been in the past and as a result i think more effective you linked to a how to play video of this one of yes. l'enfant sauvage the second track which i found really interesting and and we'll again put that in the show notes interesting that he just says this is an easy song to play right like he just comes out straight away this you know it's not hard to play it's a one note riff and and it's not the only one note riff on this album we've heard one note riffs from in the past there is an art to a one-note riff, though, and you can see that in that How to Play video. It's Yes, it's one note, but then you need to 
you can differentiate in other ways. You can play a note with a different picking style to the other notes. You can um, put some more emphasis on particular notes. So there's certainly an art to a one note riff and a band like Helmet, you know, in the 90s was a, a master at it. But Gojira seems to really have focused on the rhythms of their one note riffs and, and found ways to make them really interesting. They, did you see the other thing that I linked was the video? Sort yeah, of the, the music video. Yeah, the music video, sort of stop motion, kind of early tool style. Um, yeah. it, it really reminded me, though, of, uh, first off, it was that idea that there was um, the, the, sort of that virus taking over everything, which felt somewhat fitting for our current times hmm. now. It also really reminded me of this NPR piece about the former king of India. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever listened to it, um, but it was just about this the former king of India uh, living in the jungles outside of Delhi or inside of Delhi. I'm sorry, inside the city itself, and it's just but the way that it describes his 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 ca his castle, if you will, that he lives in is is straight out of this video. It's okay. It's fascinating. This is a much more focused and short track than we're used to from them. So you know it's over quickly. Again, there's use of background sounds. There's a didgeridoo or some sort of native indigenous type instrument from somewhere in the world that we've heard from them in the past, but they're using it to add layers to this song. There's also at the three minute mark, the whole band stops and you just hear an isolated bass note before they leap into the last section, but you just hear this big doo, just so effective. So they're pulling out some tricks that they haven't really done in the past and i think it's showing a new a newfound mastery in the studio that you know we've always known what a great just by watching the videos what a great live band they have been but it seems like they're now transferring now that they're now becoming a great studio band as well as a great live band jumping into track three the acts it's everything you've been saying so far is sort of i felt like tracks one two and three uh, work together is just sort of this even opening chapter of of mm. this album and it's sort of all of that comes to play in this third song as well again they're but all three of them are playing with meter they're playing with rhythm they're playing with sort of this some finding the complexity in in the simplicity right and it's not simple i mean it's, it is complex even even if they are just playing one riff it's still there's this layer of complexity to the whole thing as as, as you talked about and this one all of a sudden just in the middle of the song there's this this haunting guitar sound right that just sort of takes over and then and then again as you had mentioned we it's just got this great riff that sort of this outro that just carries us out of this and and i feel like this sort of so much of what we've said about each of these tracks works with all three of these tracks together. They do, they just yeah. sort of form this nice package chapter. Yeah, so this is, uh, tempo-wise, this is a slower song than the first two. So this is their real sort of stomp. It reminded me a bit of Yama's Messenger off, or Messengers off the previous yeah. album, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that change of pace song early in the album. And we're hearing more of those layered vocals. In, and, yeah, I love that last minute or two. This is the first time I've made a note of it, but at this point I'm realising that I love the sound on this album. The last album was really clean, 
beautifully produced really but i find the dynamic range on this i'm finding the dynamic range on l'enfant sauvage much it's much more interesting there's much more pop and sizzle on this one i find it's not as compressed it's just a great sound i i i think the dynamics are more effective on this album than i've heard from the band in the past and again we've got a short focused song here so they get in do what they got to do and get out without too many twists and turns along the way which you know has been a sort of observation in the past so much more focus and so it's interesting because I have that note as well. I don't have it here. I have it later, but I'll say it here since you brought it up. Just this idea that when we had last talked, we were talking about the way of all flesh, and I couldn't, I couldn't decisively say what I felt about the way of all flesh as compared to Mars to Sirius. However, this one, just, just the sound alone, right? Just the, the, the sound alone of just the experience of listening to this album really kind of just put this one up at the top for me mm. and it, it is it's it's the layers it's the density it's the it's the way that the band seems to be there's just so much engaged and that's that part of me maybe that's why it took four years right maybe mm. it was just kind of piecing it all together agreed um we haven't discussed much in terms of lyrical content so far the act seems to be about sort of finding strength within the the lyrics generally are a bit more obscure it's it's harder to to discern the meaning in any given song but they've pretty much been positive sort of calls to action so far and this one is you know the axe was about finding the strength within yourself i think that's what i gather i think the motif of this album that's sort of laid out through the lyrics and i think we're almost following it chronologically is sort of him just dealing with fame whether it's it's him or it's representing all four people in the band, but it's just sort of this kind of coming to terms with where they were is sort of an exploration of where they are. So, all right, are we track four? Liquid fire. Liquid fire. We. I don't know why I get so excited whenever I get robot vocals. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But whenever I get robot voices, it's just exclamation points. <laughs> we've got a faster song here. So we're back. We've gone from the stomper back to a bit more sense of urgency in this song. Yep. We've sort of got that galloping, galloping metal, Iron Maiden y sort of tempo quality, the, at least early in the song. Yeah. Well, and the, and the outro from the axe does feed nicely into the intro of this one. Um, but then again, as you said, there's the rhythm shifts and. Uh, and it sort of builds from there. Mm. Interestingly, I thought I noticed there was a the, the we had the anthemic. The, there's, a, there's a sort of anthemic quality in the verses, and then a galloping chorus, which is the reverse of what you would normally expect. You'd normally expect the anthemic part to be the chorus, and then you'd gallop through the verses. They've sort of switched that here, just which creates a bit of interest, I think. The lyrics move from I to we, so it seems to be about rebuilding society, doing things in a better way. We build a life straight. So it's a, it, it seems to be about taking stock of where we are and, and trying to change things for the better, I guess. But, yeah, let's go. Track five, The Wild Healer. So here's why I want to jump into this one. Um, right. It's, so here's what I'm finding. As we're, and this, this, is, this is the reward of what we're doing. 
right? This is the reward of the fact that we're going through each album meticulously track by track is the fact that I'm starting to, I hear those, those stylistic features of, of now what I say, oh yeah, that's Gojira, right? But I, there's no way I could have identified, I, I, I think this one, this one sort of has that two hand tapping sound again. They weren't even doing this in the first couple albums. This didn't come till later. Um, and it, it's it's here in, in sort of the, this this instrumental track, which I really like, and it, it it's a diversion from everything else we've heard so far on this album. But it is it's that two handed tapping sound. There there seems to be some sort of synth. I don't know if it's an actual synth or if it's a synth pedal. If they, it's just an effect that they're using on the guitar. Um, I, I like the melody. I like the other thing that I really like that they're doing with this album is that they're they're playing with space, right? Mm. This idea that that um, even, even Mario, we haven't talked about it. We're on track five, and we've not even mentioned his name yet. But the fact that mm. Mario Duplantier is is actually he's doing so much with space, right? I mean, for the first three albums, it was just frenetic, just constant. Right, it was like somebody just wound up his legs, and then you know, whenever his legs ran down, the song was over. And with now, there's just there's there's that sort of attention to space and, and and letting other instruments in, and and we saw it in the last album. But I think this song is a great example of that. Yeah, well, this is the rap song on the album with no lyrics, but you know, they have had a couple of go at rapping type songs on previous albums, including on the last one. Uh, and this has the sort of rap beat, but, you know, no lyrics. No Cypress Hill this time. It also has almost like guitar solos, and not quite. And we haven't really discussed the lack of solos for this band at, uh, much to this point. You know, but we're starting to hear, uh, what's his name, Christian Andreu? Mm -hmm. Yes. We're starting to hear his personality shine through again and again, and we hear it on this track too with some nice melodic almost solos in the background my only criticism with this song is i thought it ended too abruptly and it's mm. i have that criticism again later in the album like they were got into this nice rappy laid-back groove and they didn't know what to do at that point so they, <laughs> they sort of panicked and jumped to the next song it felt like shall, shall we panic and jump to the next song yeah let's panic <laughs> planned obsolescence <laughs> First off, first off, if you're if we're titling this podcast anything, it's right here. One day we'll wake. We'll, one day we'll wake up from this absolute nonsense. <laughs> what is this in the last? I think this is in the absolute. This is in the outro of the song. It's one of the yeah. last thing he says. And it was yeah. just I heard that. And I was just like, damn right, Joe. <laughs> could not. Could not have put it better myself. Yeah, this is the heaviest opening on the albums it sounds like that you think this is going to be the heaviest song it, it's it, it's not throughout mm. it changes later on but the opening minute or so of this is really heavy thrashy drums really heavy heavy sound the middle parts of this are just superb there's a change i've written it down at 115 it was slow swinging riffs there's some real groove i, I love the riff there's two riffs throughout this song that I love. We've got, and we get a little vocal effect as well at that point, uh, and a nice 
restrained, chugging riff again at sort of the two and a half or so minute mark. But it, it's just crushing. And there's that little, just a little hint of swing that in, in those riffs that, you know, just you can't help but nod your head at that point. It finishes back with a thrashy section, but I just love the middle section of this song. I think it's as good as I've heard them, you know, from a metal, purely from a metal riff, bang your head kind of perspective. The middle part of this song is, is superb. It's, uh, first off, I, I agree with you completely. This is, in fact, I marked this as, as, as one, of my, one of my favorites on the album. Um, and I like how with this one, if you were to put six and nine together, the track six and track nine, and we could talk about that when we get there, but how this one sort of bookended with kind of the heavier, thrashier bits. But then, as you said, kind of that swingy groove in the middle, and then you sort of contrapose that with track nine, which we can talk about when we get there. Mm. But yeah, this is, this, is, I, this is one of my favorites. I don't think it's my favorite, but it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a great song. And it does have quite a different outro, again, and outros... There's great outros throughout this album, but this one's a real trippy outro, quite a contrast to the rest of the song. It's got a the, the drums almost sound like a heartbeat, and there's like some sort of synthy sound. I don't know if it's the bass again, it's hard to identify, and it but it fades out that last minute, very different to the rest of it. Very good. Track seven is Mouth of Kala. You know what's interesting about this song is that just given our own personal story, right? The fact that we as we both reside in Indonesia and have lived in India and just mm. sort of the, the connection of Kala to both India and Indonesia. Yeah, I believe it's a it's a god that Indonesians it's something to do with the doorways or something that they draw it on the doorways of their houses or something. I'm not Right. So with in India it's he's it's Kala is a representation of Vishnu, right? It's it's one of the mm. forms of Vishnu. Um and in Indonesia, yeah, it's something to what you're saying with regards to that. I'm not entirely clear. I do know that a, there's a movie came out about it, an Indonesian right. movie that apparently did really well a couple of years ago about right. Kala. Okay. I'm assuming they go, they're talking here about the Indian version, the, the destructive god. Right. I am become death was, uh, was that famous saying. It starts with there's a river of time, and specific Kala specifically is supposed to be a representation of time. Okay. I love the first, well, second of this song. It's just, it's just drama. It just goes boom, tsh, just a, a kick mm. and a snare, just a really simple opening. I, I, I love that. Um, and then a big mid-tempo double kick, double kick opening riff. And again, we hear that separation of the chugging, Rhythm, rhythmic riff with the melodic guitar laid over the top. So again, we get the, the layers and the separation between the two guitarists. So I don't know if I'm taking any of this too literally, but I'm just mm. like lyrically, what struck me about this song was lyrically. If this, if this song does in fact work chronological in this process of whatever, but the, the second verse is the, where he starts off by saying, the old me didn't survive. Um, mm. And then goes on to say, I'm nowhere to be found. Uh, in the air I dissolve, I'm fading away, and then comes back with that chorus of overwhelming power, keep on burning, and then that declaration of change. Yeah, to me, lyrically, this spoke about the importance of destruction 
as an agent of change. You can't have change unless you're willing to destroy what has gone before. Mm-hmm. So destruction, in fact, can work in a positive way. Maybe I'm overthinking it too. Joseph yeah. Schumpeter was uh, the economist that, that spoke about that. Um, <laughs> uh, creative destruction he, he was the term he phrased for the way an economy evolves by dropping off the bits you don't want and, and growing the bits that are working. So I guess there's a bit of Schumpeterian philosophy behind the mouth of Carla. This is the best outros I've ever heard on this album, and we've got another one here. Just a, a fade out. There's an atmospheric effect. You first hear it in the background, and then it sort of becomes more and more prominent as it fades out. And then leads us into the gift of guilt. The gift of guilt. All right, so this is the one that I'm, I think I'm calling my favorite. We get that two-hand tap, tapping style again. I mean, they've, they've sort of they've harnessed that. They're comfortable with that. They know how to use that. They know how to work around it, and they're building songs off of it. But here, so what I thought was the first couple of times that I was listening to it, I'm like, man, that bass, right? Mm-hmm. And then as I started listening more, I don't think it's bass. I think what it is is I think you've got somebody – on the high end tapping and I think you've got um, Andre or Duplantier, but I think it's all guitar. It's just low end and high end guitar. Cause when I listen more closely to the bass, the bass doesn't seem to be doing any of the tapping, right? The bass mm-hmm. is just kind of playing more of a steady rhythm. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is where I really, it was when my first, first time through listening to this album where this was the song where I went, wait a minute here, there's definitely a lot more layers and, and I have not been given Andreu enough credit. Mm. Uh, and so I went back and had to listen to tracks one through seven again, intentionally trying to find that dual, that dual guitar and finding it in a way that I hadn't been able to before. Mm. Yeah, this, well, this is my favorite song off the album as well. I think it's my favorite song from Gojira to date mm. i think it's one of my favorite metal songs of the past that i've heard in the last few decades this is a i've written the word majestic this is a magnificent example of the power and the majesty of heavy metal it does have a, a really technical sort of almost deathy middle section but but that intro and the outro, the last two minutes are so good. I mean, and you see it, and especially live. I mean, this, as a live track, I, I think they play this usually as an encore in their concerts. It's the most played song off this album. It seems to be most loved by fans. And that last couple of minutes are so good. I, and it is the neck stuff. It, so there's a real pulsating quality from that, from the neck work on the guitars, but backed up by this huge drum sound. And Mario, again, it's it's less is more from Mario. So he is not. It's just it's not just constant double kick, but he's using that double kick to great effect in those slower sections. I think it's a floor tom or something. There's something he hits throughout the verses that's just has this incredible sound. It's so well captured on this, on this recording. 
I thought when I heard lyrically, I thought the gift of guilt. I thought maybe they were talking about being a Catholic. Um, maybe they were raised Catholic like I was. The gift of guilt is something that's given to Catholics at birth. It's like a welcome pack, you know. Oh, you've been born? or oh, here's the gift of guilt for you. But I realised on reading the lyrics and hearing the song again and again that they're, they're talking about it ironically, of course. Guilt is not a gift. Guilt is a useless emotion. We need to let it go. And that's what he's saying. I'm leaving this behind. And, and for me, the meaning in that lyric was also, in, you know, it added power to what was an already powerful song. So, yeah, a great song musically, but also the meaning behind the song I, I really um, appealed to me. And this is, this is just great music, full stop. I mean, heavy metal, any, any genre, this is, this is a brilliant song. Well done. Well done, Gojira. Yeah, I, I can't add any more. I mean, you, you went into lyrics. Lyrically, that whole idea of devastating power comes back into play again. Sort of that motif plays out. Just to go back to that outro, you hear there's so much depth now that they're bringing to it. And you can hear it as it fades out again. Is it strings or is it synthesized strings? Or is it a guitar that, you know, I, I can't quite tell what it is, but it's got a real symphonic quality that I haven't heard from them in the past and, and I really like. See, I'm wondering if it's, a, if I, I would love to see a lot of, a lot of bands, well, I haven't seen any on them. They'll kind of run through their sound rig and their pedals, right? A mm. lot of, so many guitar players I know are so proud of all the pedals and right and what they use for what. And I would love to see that with this band because I feel like, I feel like that's part of what's happening here is part of those layers are being added through sort of effects being used on the guitar. Yeah. Well, I've but never seen know. any, I've never seen any additional musicians on their live footage. So I'm, I'm assuming it all comes from the band, but yeah. whether there's a little extra layer that they add in the studio or not, I'm not sure. So, well, so that brings us to track nine, Pain is a Master. And what I was talking about earlier, I guess, when we had mentioned uh, planned obsolescence, was that this one sort of starts, this one in the reverse kind of lulls you in with sort of this soothing intro, right? Yeah. And, and kind of catches you off guard before just assaulting you with the, again, with the, the double bass and the pick scratches and sort of that, that sound of Gojira. Mm. Yeah, that that very atmospheric opening. There's some more sampling. There's some whispered voices you can hear. It sounds like a female voice. I keep trying to catch what she's saying, but I can never quite catch it, which I guess is what they were trying to do. Hmm. I also noticed here, as well as previously, but especially here, the symbol work of Mario is, is really evident on this album. It's been really well recorded, the symbols, really clear, but also, again, I think he's given himself a bit more space so that the the, comple the complexity of his symbol work is is really evident here and, and, and in other places on the album, but especially here. Yeah. So track 10, Born in Winter. Here's the, uh, the, the aforementioned uh, ballad. <laughs> if, if this, right, I, I, this is one of the closest things they have to a ballad. Um, I... I, I like this song. I, I, I think that this is a great song. I like the, uh, I like the sort of the rhythm of the guitar, right? That sort of rhythmic guitar sound. I like the way that that plays over the chorus of the bass. I like what the bass is doing in the song. 
I like what I like what Joe Duplantier is trying to do with his vocals in the song. I mean, he's dropping down considerably, right? This is lower than the range he would, which is my was saying earlier about sort of the typo negative Peter Steele range of he's just getting down there, kind of at the beginning. He's almost talk, he's not, sorry. Uh, he's almost talking at, at certain points. It's mm -hmm. so um, stepped down that it's almost to the point of him talking. Yeah, which is nice. But it, it works. It serves as, I mean, the vocals are its own instrument, but it sort of serves as that, I don't know, another layer of sound, again, to the layers, another layer of sound that's being added to it. Yep. Um, and then uh, there's a great sort of climax to the song that we're all born from the burst of a star, and then you get that huge explosion, and you can mm -hmm. see it in the film clip where that sort of represents the point of conception in... Uh, in the film clip, it's a yeah. great. It's got two big choruses. We get, and we go back to the acoustic guitars. It's a really positive and uplifting song with a great build-up, great dynamics. It was going to be their best song, or one of their best songs. I thought probably not their best, but one of their better songs. But then it just kind of stopped. Did you find that? Yeah. It mm. yes. I felt like they didn't know how to end this song. But I felt yeah. like the intro to the next track, The Fall, I was really good. Yeah. And I almost felt like the intro to The Fall could have served as the outro to Born in Winter. And I don't know if that was intentional. Maybe, maybe that was the way it was supposed to work. Mm. Yeah, I just think as a standalone track, Born in Winter feels so promising and yet unfulfilled. Right. It needed a winding down. It needed something or an extra section or a, it needed something to, to to tie it all up at the end there, which was a shame because the rest of it is so good. Which leads us to the fall. And yeah. the, now the CD, the physical CD you have, do you have the bonus tracks? No, do you? I do. Mm. Have you heard the bonus tracks? No, I've deliberately avoided them. I, I kind of feel like hmm, I've got an opinion on bonus tracks. I don't <laughs> like them. To me, the album is the album, and I don't want some people to have this version of the album that other people don't have. I want it to be... You don't have the Mona Lisa and the Mona Lisa with a bow tie. <laughs> Mona Lisa bonus. <laughs> or the Mona Lisa with um, who, who's frowning. Or, or Like, present the work of art as a finished piece and don't give... You know, I, again, it's probably part of that desire to sell or to market in different ways to different groups and to maximise their revenue. I just don't think... I've deliberately avoided the bonus tracks because I wanted to view the 11 tracks that we've covered as the complete album, and I didn't want to be coloured by the others, but I'm interested to hear about them. Okay. Um, Should we do the fall first, and then you can quickly talk yeah, about let's, the Yeah, let's do the fall, because my, my bonus tracks are a lot... I have a lot more questions. Um, because I feel like this song is... Again, I had mentioned how I, I like the way that it sort of starts. I like the way that it feeds in. Um, I, but it also I like how it just it ends, right? I felt like this this song just it, it ended, and it was just sort of this this album ended. Everything just felt like it had it had its it had its right end because normally what the last several albums 
there's always you listen in and you get, you know, something happening at the end or something to kind of, you know, the last track is 10 minutes long. It's three minutes of song, five minutes of space. Um, this didn't have that. It was just, it was ended. It, 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 the full package felt complete. Yeah, I agree. It, I thought this was an excellent album closer. Um, and it had, I mean, it captured a lot of the things that they've included throughout this album. The sort of, there's a, some experimental vocals here, that, but there's some layering, um, layered vocals, big drum sound, you know, all the things that have made this album so enjoyable up to this point. And, you know, we're talking about the cycle. You know, it's fairly obvious what the, the lyrics are about the cycle of the seasons as a metaphor for life. So that um, we're, here we're talking about the fall, um, the falling leaves, and you know we've we've gone through a cycle of life, and then at the end you get autumn, and we head back into winter. Um, really good album closer. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and right. I didn't want anything else after this. Hmm. Yeah, I. Um, you got you got two extra tracks. I have the two extra tracks, and my I guess my question was because so I assumed that you had had them too because everything that I was looking at looks at like pretty much if you get the album now you just it comes with thirteen tracks instead of eleven, but mm -hmm. apparently that's wrong because then I was I was my point was going to be why are they still being called bonus tracks if if that's if that's the way that that you get this but okay so yeah, I don't my version I, ends with the full. My I, version I ends with. Okay, I, for this emptiness, the only thing I wrote is, I guess there's always room for one more. Um, mm. So I didn't really have much to say about that one. Uh, and then the track thirteen is called "My Last Creation," and it it was interesting in the story, right? If the story if the story goes as as I was assuming it goes. Um, sort of this chronological journey through through sort of his life from whatever he was a young lad in France to a mega metal star living in New York. Um, it gave another definitive end, but this end felt more like the end to just what he was doing. I don't know. It didn't feel like an end to the album. It sort of felt like an end of 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 an era. I don't, I don't know if it's making sense. Um, but anyway. Now that we've done this, I think I'll now have a listen to the bonus tracks just out of interest. And perhaps you can, I'll, I'll find them on YouTube and link to them in the show notes for our listeners too. Yeah. So, it, yeah, no, I, they're fine. I mean, they're fine. But do they add anything? Do they, no. do you feel better for having heard them? Or do you I think don't. more about the album for having heard them? I do not. I mean, my I feeling is always if they add to the album, then then include them on the album. If they don't, you know, don't include them. Yeah, that was going to be my question as to why either they were on there or why they hadn't been on there originally. And sort of leading into that. Purely, it's purely we're on a big label now and they've got some marketing, marketing tricks. Yeah. Yep. No, fair enough. All right. So that's that then. Okay. So we're done with the track by track breakdown. Interested to hear your thoughts. It sounds like you've had a very positive experience with this album, but let's uh, just summarize that for our listeners now. What did you think overall on L'Enfant Sauvage? I think that this is, so, okay. I don't know, okay, so I think 
this is one of my favorite albums with regards to listening, to just the experience of listening to the album overall. Now, I don't know that, that I think that like Mars to Sirius, for instance, if I was to go back to just, I feel like the quality of some of the songs on that album are better than the quality of some of the songs on this one, but found the experience of listening to this album, just the sound quality of it. And, and, the, and the, as we said before, the rhythms, the meters, the dynamics, the, the, the layers they're doing with the songs to be, I enjoyed it more, if that makes any yeah. sense. So yeah, I, I agree. I didn't feel as exhausted at the end of this album as I have with their previous albums. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I think this is the one I will come back to more frequently. It's It doesn't put you it doesn't demand so much of you. You can just sit back and let it wash over you without having to just focus and constantly adapt to the changes and the, you know, the, the bizarre time signatures and the jarring tempo changes, etc. This is an easier, this, this is an easier listen and, and I think a more enjoyable listen as a result. I also love the sound of this is production wise, my favorite of theirs. The drums have never sounded better. The, the snare, the cymbals, the toms. And also I've got to say the bass, the sound of the bass on this, he just chugs away all mm -hmm. through this album in such a, you know, he's there, like he's so present, the bass player on this. You get that separation between the two, Guitarists as well, as we've, as we've spoken about at length. Some great outros. And some complex, some studio tricks that I think reward the listener as well, the sampling, the sort of symphonic effects. It's a richer overall sound and a richer overall experience, I think, without necessarily being as drop-dead wow, I can't believe they did that. It's more just, yeah, that's good music. Yeah, that's that. No, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's just, you, it's just, you enjoy listening to it. Yep. Yep. So well done, Gojira. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, really looking forward to the next one now, given that this is the direction they're involving, involving hmm. in. Uh, so we've both had the same favorite song, the gift of guilt. Yep. And it's my, it's certainly my favorite Gojira album and one of the best, I think, metal albums of, of recent decades, at least that I've heard. Agreed. Agreed. Let's talk band Brownlow. Yeah, let's do it. Mm. Yep. So I'm still wrestling with my, my three and my two. So I'm, I'm just curious as to what. Mm. This, I think. For the first time, is I've had real difficulty with this. I'm going to give the three to Mario again. Mm. If I'd heard this album in isolation, I might have not given him the three, but I already know what he can do. So in a way, I'm rewarding him for not doing what he can do, if you know what I mean. Right, right. He's... The, the extra space in this album is as a result of Mario's restraint, and I'm going to give him credit for that for, so by giving him the three. Hmm. Do you want me to go on, or do you want yeah, to give your Yeah, go ahead. Three? Go ahead. Well, yeah, go ahead. Finish yours. 
Okay, so Joe gets two again, and boring, I know, but he's the—he's obviously the creative driver on the band. I love his vocals. He—he's singing more and more, and and his creative direction, I think, is as strong as ever. He's managed to really bring the band together as a as a complete unit on this on this album. His leadership is obvious, and yeah, he's a He's a great front man. You can hear the passion when he sings live and also on the CD. And, yeah, I think this album is a, is a great tribute to his creative vision. For the first time, I'm going to give a vote, my one vote, to Christian Andrew, or Andreu, the guitarist, uh, the, well, I guess he's the rhythm, no, he's the lead guitarist, I suppose, but there's no, there's no solos. But yeah, I love the separation between the two guitars. I think they really work together as a team for the first time on this album. I also love the bass. So, you know, Jean Michel's unlucky to miss out, but it really could have gone in any order on this album. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to go my three to uh, Joe Duplantier just for the reasons that you had mentioned the creative, the creative force behind this, um, even just sort of the vocal stylings that he seems to have come fallen more comfortably into uh so if 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 joe's getting the three then you know mario's getting two and a half or yeah. <laughs> two and three quarters or whatever we're giving it i mean he's he's right there but uh so so mario's the two and again for all the reasons you mentioned it's it's the, the drumming is phenomenal but then again it's what he and i don't even know if it's restrained i think it's just growth yeah. Right. And, and just how he's continuing to grow as a musician. And then the number one, I mean, I, I, I'm, it's gotta, I just, I was so taken with the layers that I feel like Christian Andreo were, were adding to this, to this album that, that he was the only thing I was sure of coming into this brand band Brownlow was that he was getting, he was my number one or my, my one vote. Yep. So, I feel right, like so we've got, hmm? no. I was just gonna say we've got one album left before we can announce a winner, but I feel like uh, Joe and Mario have been going five and five for no, maybe not. I anyway, Mario's got sign up. Yeah, I think I think so too. <laughs> uh, all right, so we do have one more album, unless they release another one anytime soon. But uh, Magma Magma is the next album. What are you expecting? More of this? Enfant Sauvage Mark II, or do you expect them to keep evolving and it's, keep simplifying, keep stripping back? I have no idea because, again, it's going to be four years, right? I mean, so Magma is going to come out in 2016. So mm. there's, you know, there's four years of, of growth and change. Uh, I have no idea what to expect. I'm, I'm really curious to hear. I know that when I go to any sort of if, if you're looking up if you go to youtube um i feel like it's just littered with songs from magma so i don't know if it's because those songs are better or if it's just because that's their most recent album mm. yeah i'm really looking forward very excited for magma you've heard their most recent single as well so yeah was l'enfant sauvage more in line with the yes. most recent one Yes, it was, which um, does sort of indicate that this might be a bridge. Yep. 
but yeah, Lan Font Sauvage was 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 definitely more in line with what because when I, when that when that track came out, I think we were still in like the first two albums. Because mm. I remember talking to you and just thinking to myself, I don't know how they're going to get here from there. Yep, but now you can see it. Now I can definitely see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's our Christmas and New Year listening sorted. Of course, after that, we've got one more recently released Atomic Bitchwax album to cover, and then we'll have a choose our next band or two or three or however many we end up with uh, episode after that, which i got to say, I'm so excited for our choose the next band episode. But, um, you know, we've, I'm also equally excited for Magma and the Atomic Bitchwax. So we've got some great listening coming up. I agree with all those. I've already started working on my list for yeah for well, that, me too for that band one yeah and of so, course you'll be doing all your listening for magma sitting on a tropical s- beach how lovely sitting on the beach south of the equator it'll be uh, with a coconut with a straw in it <laughs> the coconut with a straw yes sir <laughs> <laughs> thank you listener so this has been unshuffled thank you for june joining us thank you for tuning in uh you can contact us please do you can find us, well, we've got a website, unshuffledpod.com. We're on Twitter, at unshuffledpod. We have an email account, unshuffledpod at gmail.com. Thank you, listener. Thank you, Small Stone, for allowing us the honor of using your band Seven Planets in our opening and closing part of this podcast, the Album is called Explorer. The track is called Vanguard. Be sure to track down the entire album and you can get it on Bandcamp. Pay for it. The band deserve the money. It's a great album. It's a really good listen. Nice instrumental, groovy stuff. Really, really fun listen. So make sure you get onto that. Apart from that, happy holiday. Enjoy that beach time, Scott. Mm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, listener. Thank you, Matt. You you as well. And enjoy enjoy your holiday. And, uh, and to everyone else. Yeah, and let's make this our last ever COVID Christmas and we'll, you know, before the zombie, zombie Christmas of 2021. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever's next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs>